Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians. They are a fascinating bunch of people, and it'll be a great time. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. My guest today became enamored with tango back in 1997, and since then they would go on to become some of the most influential and creative tango instructors in the world. They are well known for their highly engaging teaching style, their amazing ability to improvise, and their incredible generosity. And with me now are Homer and Christina Lattis. Homer and Christina, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, You're Joe. welcome, Joe. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So let's let's jump right into it. So can you describe the moment or the moments, there could have been more than one, when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? The first time I saw tango being danced, um, this was uh, way back when I finished my graduate degree and mm-hmm. I've never learned dance, so I signed up for a ballroom class oh. near San Francisco, and but I arrived early, and I caught the tail end of a tango class, and I, I saw the dancers who became my teacher, and I knew immediately that it was not choreographed, and it was mm. close embrace. Mm-hmm. I've heard tango music before because my parents used to play it in the Philippines. Oh, okay. But that was, yeah, but that was the first time I saw it being danced. Mm-hmm. And so I actually told the ballroom teacher that I didn't want to take the hustle class. I just wanted <laughs> to sign up for tango. Oh. Because I, I knew, I didn't know the word improvise back mm-hmm. then. I just knew that what they were doing was not choreographed, and I wanted that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was in uh, learning tango for the first time in Tucson, Arizona, in the beginning of 1997. Mm-hmm. And I, um, <clears throat> after a few weeks of taking classes, uh, I was still an engineer at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I realized that my teachers were showing me these really cool moves. At the time, they were showing like basically really long patterns, and I started asking really complex questions, like, "How do I stop this in the middle and or mm. reverse it?" and they didn't really have a lot of answers for me because it was their first time teaching as well. Oh. And um, that sparked my curiosity because they would have to just then go show me like another pattern. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be like, well, then how do I stop this and do this? And like, so my mind started thinking about like all the possibilities. And because I was a geeky engineer, I now had a social <laughs> life. I was dancing with uh, many different women mm-hmm. and um, I was filling my time up and it was super creative and super interesting mm. besides having a nice embrace and enjoying the music. Yeah, because you've both been you know, very physically active with, with other activities. Did, did tango press a certain button inside of you that was really different from everything else that you've been doing? Well, well for me, the button that it pushed was the permission that I can share a pretty close embrace with another man without being married to them. Mm. (laughs) Uh, And just sharing that embrace. And I knew that even though, to my mind, it wasn't the complicated steps that I saw, but it was actually, for me, the walking together that really appealed to me. Mm. Um, I just... I, I, I really felt strongly like there was something beyond um, the walking together. Like so many things have to be in play mm-hmm. so that we can walk together with mm-hmm. our partner to the music. I see. Yeah, like yeah. listening stuff and and coordinating and, and now the, the, the communication part, which is the, the leading and following ideas. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. That was a big thing for me. Okay. Um, I came from a background of martial arts and swimming, and I taught those too, but um, I had left those behind, and so I was looking for something new to do. And when I realized that tango was very similar to martial arts, except for you're not trying to hurt your partner, you're trying to find <laughs> balance and stability, you know, mm-hmm. intimacy, mm-hmm. I realized there were all positive benefits, and um, I 
but reinforced a lot of ideas that the martial arts had, had taught me. So like that was a very definitive moment for me too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what was your very first dance at a Malanga like? Do you remember? Oh yeah. Not only do I remember, but um, my first my first day of dancing in a Milonga lasted for almost two years because um, <laughs> when I first started, <laughs> when I first started, I was really um, a very shy person, and one of the one of the things that made me decide mm -hmm. to take up tango is to overcome my shyness I because see. then I, have, I had to socialize. Mm -hmm. I attended lots and lots of classes, but then when it came to the milongas, I mean, I would go through the ritual of getting ready and things like this mm -hmm. and going there. But then once I get there, I, I would just be struck with 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 a huge amount of shyness and, and insecurity mm -hmm. and and I would just sit in the back in the corner in the dark so no one would see me and no one could ask me to dance <laughs> but but the result of that was the the, the big opportunity to just watch mm -hmm. the people dancing and not only dancing, the things that are happening while they're dancing, <laughs> and while the groups of like many couples are dancing around the room, like there's again there's this other other kinds of communication going on, and it it the the different kinds of musical interpretations which inspired me and the body language and the the codigos like mm -hmm. how one gets asked to dance how does one deny or say no or ah. try to avoid mm -hmm. those kinds of things and and I enjoyed that I felt that that was a big part of my learning experience as a, as a tango dancer okay. just sitting down and, and watching and, and re-observing mm -hmm. how it was all being done or being practiced I see how about you Homer uh, I would say the first six months or less, I was sheltered because I was in Tucson, Arizona. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles and I started going to like the bigger spaces with lots of people, people that most people that I did not know, mm. that I start to really have that like going to your first Milonga experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I had some beautiful connections with people, but I also had some really scary, terrible like connections so bad that like I wouldn't dance with that person again for like six months or mm. ever. <laughs> and um, I kind of kept track of those. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was looking for more positive experiences than, than negative, mm -hmm. uh, but also back then, I think tango was still kind of, people were still figuring out the line of dance and how to, mm -hmm. how to integrate different styles and um, the politics of, of it all. So yeah. um, there were, the, relatively speaking, back when I started, there were, um, it was more like the Wild West of tango. Ah, and, okay. <laughs> yes, I, I can go on and on, but I have right. lots of these stories as mm -hmm. things were sort of being gelled and codified. I see. I yeah, see. I, I, I feel that maybe nowadays it's become much more sophisticated or much more organized, but, mm -hmm. but definitely back then, even from my observation point, you, one will, will have an idea who are the alpha. Mm -hmm. dancers, the alpha leads, the alpha followers, the most experienced dancers because they tend to own the floor more or, mm. or, or, or exude confidence on how they use the floor. Mm -hmm. And then you can tell who are the wannabe alphas uh -huh. <laughs> and, those who, and those who are just new, one new to the community, one new mm -hmm. to the dance. So you can you can sense their tentativity mm -hmm. in everything, but but on the other hand, what I enjoyed is it, it was it, it's it's a it's a community that's being cooked, you know, yeah. like it's it's cooking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So sort of sticking to to Malangas. So a lot of our listeners uh, are relatively new to tango. They're just starting to to go to go to these malangas and uh, you know because we know that the malanga is such an important part of the learning process not just classes you got to go use your dancing socially and yeah. 
Yeah, and you, uh, I'm sure you remember Christina being very nervous at these malagas, as, yeah. as these students are also very nervous. And so, other than, than observing the the technical things like you know cabaseo, keeping in the line mm-hmm. of dance, keeping order, what advice would you give these students who might be listening uh, to help make their malaga experiences more enjoyable at at this early stage? For me, the number one thing is to really create strong bonds with your fellow students, mm-hmm. the, the people that you take classes with, that you create strong bonds with them, and that, that you, you interact with them, not just in the class, but after the class you chat, mm. or maybe you go for a quick snack or, or, or drinks afterwards, mm-hmm. or, and, and to maintain contact with them, and, and social media is everything now, and, yeah. and you, you communicate with each other, hey, I'm planning to go to this milonga, are you up for it? Mm-hmm. And, and to, to arrive together or arrive pretty closely at the same time. So, because this is something that I missed that I didn't do myself. Uh-huh. I think had I done this, it would not have been so um, scary for me or nerve wracking for me going through the door by myself. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, leader follower. No, you can go with your fellow followers. I actually feel that's, that's a stronger way, a mm-hmm. more effective way mm-hmm. of um, trying to help create um, a situation for yourself so you don't feel so alone or isolated. Mm-hmm. The other thing also is that I know it's super difficult to do, mm-hmm. but when you go to a milonga, try not to have preset ideas or expectations. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to, 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 to have the enthusiasm and mm-hmm. to have the excitement. Hey, I'm going to go to the milonga. I, I, <laughs> I'm hoping to dance a lot. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll dance with someone new and, and, and carry on that positivity, mm-hmm. even though, you know, you may not have the experience that you had in mind, but really trying to create uh, many expectations or too detailed expectations, I feel is just a way to set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. How about you, Homer? Homer? I mean, Christina summed up a lot of points. I would mm-hmm. just add to that, and this might be a little bit more forward thinking, but um, mm-hmm. to be a little bit more fluid in your approach, I always recommend that people try both roles in the beginning, leading yeah. and following, uh-huh. and um, not to be afraid when they go to the Milonga to change roles, to change your shoes and to try leading or to try following, and that way you'll never be bored, you'll never be sitting down, assuming the community is somewhat open-minded to this idea. Mm-hmm. And um, if not, you just need to find some people that are. And when you impose this sort of idea, at least with beginners, they they learn, in my opinion, they learn faster. Uh, they can, of course, have a primary role like leading or following, but I think it's always good to have the other role in your back pocket because yeah. you will definitely increase your enjoyment mm-hmm. yeah. and always be dancing or dancing a lot more. Yep. So that, and again, that goes beyond all the uh, building your social circle. So that's if I had to keep it brief, I'd say put that one hint in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, lead, both leading and following because it doesn't matter if it's really unbalanced one night. You're going to be dancing either way. Yeah, and you don't have to be a master of, you know, you, you'll have a primary role and you don't have to master your secondary role, but just mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a basic level, being able to lead or follow will allow you to dance uh, more and, um, yeah, be sitting less yeah. and understand the dance uh, deeper. Okay. Yeah, great, great advice. So sticking to the topic of, of advice, what's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers? I know there are probably a lot of examples, but maybe you try giving us a few nuggets that uh, that really yeah. pop out. Well, the advice that I got from my first teacher, you know, that teacher who I saw the first time I saw Tango being da- danced, mm-hmm. he told me, because I, I took a lot of classes from him, I also took classes from other teachers, but not as much as with him. Mm-hmm. And one day, he just told me, Christina, you gotta you gotta spread your wings. You if you wanna become a better dancer, you wanna get better in your dancing, you gotta do your homework. Mm. And part of doing your homework is trying out 
different teachers, even if you don't like the way they dance or the way they teach. But mm -hmm. everyone has something to offer and you owe it to yourself to get as much broad of an experience and education as much as possible because it will only help you hone in your own skills and, and, and really help you decide how you want to dance yourself. Mm. It's, like, it's, it's like a way of finding yourself in the dance mm. besides taking classes from one specific teacher and then going to the milongas every night. Another advice that uh, I really took from a, from a f alpha follower teacher is that I am half of the dance. Mm -hmm. Because when I first started, it was, I didn't have, we didn't have a lot of female tango teacher role models mm -hmm. at the time. A lot of times the, 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 the instruction was more towards the leaders, not mm -hmm. so much the followers. Mm -hmm. But um, from this um, female teacher, she told me, Christina, you, you are half of the dance. You are responsible. You're equally responsible to the music, to the musicality, um, the expression, the movements. You are not just a doll. Mm -hmm. So, and it kind of goes back to what my first teacher told me. Uh, um, the better I know how I dance, the better I know how I can move myself, mm -hmm. the better I know the music and how the codes of a dance floor work, the more I can con contribute to the conversation mm -hmm. and the more that I can express myself without being overbearing, the mm -hmm. more that I can be eloquent, so mm -hmm. to speak. Okay. So, yeah, nice. I like that. Nice. Homer. Um, some of the best advice I've received from a music musical standpoint, one teacher told me to listen to the music that I like dancing to outside of tango. Mm. And, you know, it'll take about a year of listening to, for example, traditional tango music before you really start to hear the details. Mm -hmm. And so I would listen to it while I was driving or in my kitchen, you know, while cooking mm -hmm. uh, or even at work. So that was really useful. And then one teacher told me to uh, listen more to my followers mm -hmm. and that even though we're leaders, we're basically following uh, our partners and the suggestion that we give as leaders. Mm. So another teacher also told me to do less rather than more. They saw me struggling trying uh, to lead a baleo mm -hmm. and that taught me just how to be more smart with my movements and try to be more in touch with my body and mm. less external, more internal. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it's the boleos, man. Those are, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the one of the holy grails of tango is that is that boleo. But you're absolutely yeah, that's, that's absolutely why right. we we love the idea of um, trying the other role, Joe. Because mm -hmm. nothing like a first-hand experience yeah. of doing a boleo mm -hmm. that that can give an insight on how to communicate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and just like you said, Christina, that's that's where you really, really start to understand. Well, one of many occasions where you start to understand you're your half of the dance in that baleo because you yeah. both have to be on. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So, how did you both start teaching? Can you can you describe that journey? Well, I definitely started teaching way later than Homer. Maybe at my eighth year, I was I just started assisting my teacher and mm -hmm. other teachers. It wasn't really until I met Homer and partnered with him. Wait, mm -hmm. said eighth year, sweetie. We met after five years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. But may maybe okay. Maybe before the eighth year. But at, at the time I met you, I was just assisting. I wasn't teaching at all, and I didn't teach with you like immediately. It took a long time, even though I would be with Homer mm -hmm. in a class. I considered myself as an assistant of Homer, okay. not a co-teacher, because again, I was on the shy side. <laughs> I wasn't very good in expressing myself in a group of people. One-on-one, -on -one, I'm better. Mm -hmm. It took some time for me to find my teacher wings or my teacher voice, mm. so to speak. Yeah. So Homer was the alpha teacher or the only teacher in our partnership for a good for a good long while I see. before I started 
having my teacher voice. Mm. Well, with regards to that, if you're co-teaching with someone and you want to give them a chance to be more alpha, if you are the alpha, you have to back up and give them space mm -hmm. and time, and eventually they will, their teaching will emerge and come to the surface. Ah. So after many years, I can now say Christina is more of the alpha teacher than I am. Ah, whatever. <laughs> but, but, but when did you start teaching, Homer? Because it's different timeline. I was, after mm -hmm. one year and four months of <laughs> learning how to dance, I was still an engineer, but I was uh, really frustrated with some of the way that the teachers were teaching. They were mostly stage dancers teaching choreography. Oh. And I understood they had to do that because in between stage gigs, they needed to make money. Mm -hmm. And so they would show the steps that they were doing on stage. But I was always trying to reconcile it for the milonga. Oh. And um, some teachers got upset and told me, no, just you know, t make, make the students learn the steps. And I basically offered a class for free out of my house in Redondo Beach at the time. Mm -hmm. And after eight weeks, that class became so big. I had so many students in my living room. Wow. I had to rent the gymnasium that I worked out at. Mm -hmm. And that was the first moment I had to charge money to pay for the floor rental. Mm. And I, I wasn't trying to make money. I was just really covering the expenses. But it just kept going from there. So it was kind of an accidental thing where... Mm -hmm. I was compelled to teach because I wanted to dance with people in a more connected way. Mm. And that, that is still my motivation today. Mm -hmm. um, besides, we do it full-time, so we do need the income for mm -hmm. our expenses. But uh, that has always been the number one factor. Yeah. And that kind of skyrocketed from there. I have many other experiences. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but then at some point, I took a leave of absence from engineering, and I thought mm -hmm. I would get it out of my system of teaching <laughs> tango. Yeah. And I never did. Mm -hmm. I just even forgot about engineering, and I just had more and more work every month. So, mm -hmm. But I really believe it was also a historical idea. Like now, mm -hmm. if I had been an engineer today, mm -hmm. I probably would not leave the job to teach tango because the market is really different and, and yeah. saturated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. How you you know the, everything was stage tango. There weren't any anybody. There weren't a lot of teachers or any teachers doing you know yeah. preparing people for malangas. But you created yeah. that niche, and that's really that's really great that yeah. you had the the foresight to to do that. I mean, to be fair, there were some teachers trying, but it was very it was a very small group of teachers, and not okay. the dominant thought at the time. I see. Homer and I pretty much started a the same time even mm -hmm. though we lived in different cities mm -hmm. but the the timeline tango wise that time Joe um, mm -hmm. not only that um, we didn't have many good teachers but the dissemination of, of, of the information about tango mm -hmm. was also different from what it is today ah, yeah I mean w one reason why I actually feel very strongly about is that the students of tango today have so much uh, to choose from mm -hmm. and not only so much information but good information mm -hmm. because I feel that there has been enough time where the, the, the learning process, the idea of being able to teach well mm -hmm. has had time to mature and yeah. develop. Yeah. So that I wanted to touch upon on uh, peer learning. So uh, sometimes at practicas and so forth, uh, our teachers aren't always available for you know for for direct questions. So uh, sometimes, as experienced dancers, if they're experienced dancers listening, they'll find themselves in the position to help beginners. So what are what are some ways that we can be effective peers while helping beginners? That's actually a good question, and that's something that in our new two-year event now uh, on mm -hmm. Thursday we have a practica that is uh, shoes optional gender neutral alternative music but regardless the most important thing is it's after the all-level class we have a peer-to-peer -peer learning experience okay and so we as as Christina and I supervise the process but we we emphasize that people can share information up to their point of knowledge with others oh. And so we, we try, what we do is we provide this, like the environment for people to grow mm -hmm. and we tell them it's okay to do this and we monitor to make sure that it's safe and that it's not being abused or yeah. mishandled. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so after the, the skills class, mm -hmm. um, a lot of times what will happen during a practica is um, people will work with several people. 
Um, mm -hmm. And the environment is set up in a way that each participant feels free to say, hey, um, I'm working on this kind of cross-system way of walking in. Mm -hmm. I want to try it in close embrace. Can I try it with you? And then the next person will go, oh, okay. And then later on, I want to try to do these um, close embrace ocho. Can we try that? Mm. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then they try to give each other feedback. If they're stuck, they will usually wave us over if we don't see them first. Mm. Yeah. So um, I, I think we, we don't try to monitor or control that one person is responsible for sharing information. No, mm -hmm. we actually set up the situation or the room mm -hmm. to to give everyone permission, even if they are if that's their first day. Mm -hmm. Usually they will always have something to offer or they will always have something to say, such as, Hey, walking backwards is really difficult. How can I make it easier on myself? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. I mean, if I could just add one more sure. thing. This was actually the way that that I learned. We yeah. didn't we didn't have a lot of teachers, even though I took a lot of classes with a, anyone who was teaching tango at the time or visiting mm -hmm. or I traveled to places. We still didn't have like a lot of teachers with really deep knowledge of the social dance experience. And we wound up practicing a lot with each other. And so I probably learned more practicing with several different practice partners and mm -hmm. other other um, people who led and followed and in sharing information mm -hmm. than the teaching the teachers themselves. Oh. So that yeah. that was the found that was the mm -hmm. initial bedrock or inception point. And from mm -hmm. there, um, I practiced a lot and I still and shared a lot with my peers. So I I, mm -hmm. I recommend that that process, even though I think there's a huge body of knowledge now with lots of really awesome teachers, mm -hmm. I still feel like each student has to put aside a, a piece of the pie of learning has to be practicing with people and peer-to-peer -peer learning. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, um, in my experience, Joe, there was mm -hmm. a time here in San Francisco that there was a good group of um, San Francisco dancers, mm -hmm. probably 12 to 15 of us, mm -hmm. pretty much similar level. And we would take classes from visiting teachers, but then we'd set up, okay, we'd rent a room ourselves somewhere in the city mm -hmm. on a Wednesday night. And we'd all like practice with each other and try to figure out things. Ah. And for me, that is the best way to, to learn and to really own your learning as a dancer. Yeah. Because you get to not only experiment mm -hmm. and exchange with with um with your peers, but you really expose yourself to the different ways of communicating mm -hmm. as a leader or as a follower. Yeah. And that can only be good because you know, the more you're able to dance with other people, the more dances mm -hmm. you'll have yeah. in the social world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So working with with peers. Yeah, that's that's something that um that keeps coming up in a lot of the interviews. I hope people are taking that to heart. So during practicas yeah. or even in their own time, be great for for students to get together and just try things out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. So you've traveled, both of you, all over the world every year. Probably met thousands of of people. <laughs> Uh, thousands of students. So what are what are some things you've learned from your own students? You know the old saying how, you know, that the teacher's best teacher is is uh, is their students. I'm paraphrasing. What are some things that students have taught you over the years? I have learned a lot from my students. Oftentimes I have a really strong idea about a technique in tango or just a way of doing something mm -hmm. in or teaching analogy and my students basically tell me that my idea is not good or that they can do it another way that works better for them mm. or the analogy doesn't work or they have a different analogy uh, association that helps them. So that basically through my students I have transitioned my teaching again and again and adapted to the needs of the different students. So I feel mm -hmm. it's definitely helped me be a better teacher but it's also helped me in my understanding of the dance. And I've realized that there are so many ways to approach learning tango and uh, put it into each person's body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is something that I agree with Homer. Um, no matter where we go, I always, I'm always confronted with the experience that I have a, a, a specific uh, notion in my mind that I want to share 
but then almost always depending on who we have in the room while we're teaching that something I will learn that actually this is something that is not resonating with them mm. somehow th through the way they move or they respond to the information that we're giving they are letting us know uh, this is not being accepted easily we have to come up with another way of delivering the information mm -hmm. and, and 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 that information is not ours anymore j meaning just my and Homer's information yeah. it becomes actually a shared information because how they learn is factored in mm. into that delivery mm -hmm. so so we like even though Homer and I plan classes and mm -hmm. all the exercises the intros the meat of the class mm -hmm. the climax of the class it's always um, the unknown who are we going to get yeah and it doesn't matter what level mm -hmm. advanced intermediate beginner or the the forever eternal all level class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's it's who we get. So how they respond to the beginning of the class, it we learn from them a lot. Mm -hmm. And and the next time we teach the same class, we just have a little bit more in our in our arsenal, our yeah. teaching arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. So just sort of in the in that same vein, you know, just kind of in your observations of the thousands of students that you meet every year, what are some common things that tend to hold back our tango progress? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the, the people hold themselves back all the time. There's a lot, people harbor a lot of um, blockages inside of their right. bodies and their minds that hold them back. Mm -hmm. um, probably... I mean, I, I tend to blame the organizers and the teachers, like my blame myself, because like I, I think our goal is to set up the environment mm -hmm. um, for for them to release some of the tension that is holding them back. Mm -hmm. But definitely, like I suppose, one thing that people can do is try to have a little bit more open mind about what tango is, because mm -hmm. if they're sometimes they're so focused on one idea. And they can't let go of it, and or they can't try other things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for me, especially for the newcomers of tango, but they have seen tango, a tango show, for example, mm -hmm. ah. and they want to learn tango because they've been inspired, inspired, mm -hmm. but what they've seen in a tango show, so they have this really specific look or ways of moving in their minds, and they come to class, and suddenly they're they're they hit the wall of oh crap there's a lead and follow <laughs> aspect to this thing mm -hmm. this is not just you know i i just don't i just can't do a boleo or a colgata on my first day uh. i actually need to learn how to walk mm -hmm. and i think that impatience or that fixed uh, idea that you set up in your mind when you first go to a tango class can really be a wall mm. instead of a an inspiration to 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 aspire to another thing i think is um it has to do with the learning the other role joe mm -hmm. yeah. i think sometimes gender stereotypes mm -hmm. can can act as a wall or a, as a block in the learning process ah. um an example would be I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to have to lead. My leader should know how to lead me to an ocho, and I'm just going <laughs> to do the ocho, yeah. do the music. Mm -hmm. So these kinds of things. Uh, I really feel, especially in this day and age, that open-mindedness, besides mm -hmm. having an open heart, mm -hmm. uh, is very critical to the learning process, not mm -hmm. not even growth in tango, yeah. but the learning process, early learning process. I think I think students have to understand that it's an equal opportunity dance. That it's just as hard to lead well as it is to follow well. Mm -hmm. That's why I encourage doing a minimum, a little bit of both roles to understand the other side and get that perspective. So that we can all have empathy for each other and yeah. compassion yeah. for each other. 
instead of having this unrealistic expectations. Um, and that also goes to listening to the music. I mean, we still get people who don't really focus on that, but um, <laughs> they don't do both, their homework. Both, both Joe. leaders mm -hmm. and followers should understand the music as deeply as they can, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, really come to the plate with their best game and their best abilities and techniques and feelings. Because it's not it's not a codependent dance; it's an interdependence. Yeah. And 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 the thing is, the tango is already so difficult to learn, right? Because mm -hmm. there are these so, there are these many aspects. And yeah, I totally understand. Hey, I just want to have fun. I just want to dance. Mm -hmm. But I think that as we get more experience, and and the more that we want out of the dance, mm -hmm. the more we also have to put in the work. Like in everything else, yeah. you don't become you don't become a, a figure skater, Olympic quality in like one month. Mm -hmm. You work on it for years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same here. Mm -hmm. But it's it's also fun. Yeah. Yeah. That but journey is also fun. work mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it always takes a little longer than we think. <laughs> but, I <yeah>. know. <laughs> but, I mean, the challenge for us teachers and organizers, mm -hmm. how do we mitigate that attrition rate? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How do we keep <laughs> them interested and keep them positive mm -hmm. so they stay? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of laughing to myself while you were pointing to all the all the things that people do. I, I did all of those wrong things in my early <laughs> tango journey. We're not just you, Joey. All <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So passage, right? I'm here having a good laugh at myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> yes, so, you're yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay, so I, I've heard, you know, and I've found that this is true, that there's always something new to learn about this dance. And, it, you know, maybe not necessarily new, but maybe another, another layer that we discover about something that we, that we already know. So even though you both had so much experience with tango, is there something new that you've learned recently or perhaps another uh, perspective or another layer that you've uncovered? Yes. So because I've been putting a little bit of focus into my leading skills mm -hmm. and and I danced with someone a friend who lives in this community and it was interesting what she said she said the way I led her felt like a combination of the different leaders in this community oh. <laughs> and and what I learned from that statement is that we really influence each other highly mm. because of course I've been influenced by those leaders mm -hmm. as a follower like I was on the receiving end yeah mm -hmm. but now that I'm the one proposing or initiating uh, the, the relationship the lead and follow relationship for some um, somehow I've inherited mm -hmm. certain movements or certain feelings or certain ways of communicating a movement to my mm -hmm. follower that this follower um, is experienced enough to say you know that moment you felt this guy that moment you felt just like Homer the way Homer would lead that oh. yeah so to me that's something new and, and to me that's actually really exciting yeah <laughs> <laughs> so. um, I, w I would have two sort of answers which kind of coincide but okay. the first statement is I'm getting older and so I mean we're all getting older but mm -hmm. over the past uh, 20 plus years of dancing tango my sense of understanding has changed and my body has changed and so I'm constantly reevaluating my dance and um, things that I may have done without thinking about them as much when I was younger I, I try to reevaluate now and do it with more efficiency mm -hmm. or more sensitivity in addition I've been training for the past uh, over five years now doing circus like aerial right. handstands, yeah, yeah. partner acro whatever like different kinds of things mm -hmm. and um, my I'm taking lots of classes and my teachers have many varied backgrounds from ballet to yoga to other circus training mm -hmm. And they give so much insight into the the larger world of movement, mm. and I'm constantly thinking of whoa, how that is similar to like a tango idea, or how I can turn that around and apply it 
directly to my tango or to my students. Mm. And so I feel that that constant is a constant source of new ideas that I'm that are is percolating and always flowing back into myself as a dancer and my students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that the barrel of tango is not only the source of inspiration for mm -hmm. us yeah. as a dancer, as a teacher, whether I'm leading or following, but the other activities that we are involved in, even though we are students in those activities, actually help us a lot as teachers mm -hmm. because again it's the it's the experience thing a first-hand experience of what it's like to be a beginner yeah. doing something mm -hmm. it, it, it it's such a reminder for us as we teach tango to beginners mm. of what it's like of what what the beginner tango students are going through because mm -hmm. we know because when we take these circus classes we are beginners okay. and we're like oh crap and we go through that mental process of oh this is something new mm -hmm. that I, I, I that my body needs to learn and there's just so much information that need that needs to be processed oh. yeah okay yeah like you said just just putting yourself in a position of being a beginner again right. and then it helps you identify with your students a little bit more too i imagine yeah and it, it, it helps us communicate with them better joe because mm -hmm. it's real time yeah you know, it's not something that happened 20 years ago that we try to re reminisce or remember yeah no mm -hmm. I, th I think all really experienced teachers can fall into a trap where they desperately try to shape their students the, the way they are mm -hmm. and share with them all the knowledge they have, but they have to realize that every student is uniquely different right. and right. will approach the dance differently from you. So the best you can do is maybe give them one piece of the puzzle, but they have their own puzzle they're working on, uh -huh. and it's not your and puzzle. And allow that. And they have to kind of sort things out, and yes. they can get more from you, but you're not going to, like save the tango world you're you're not you know your mm -hmm. students aren't going to become clones of you exactly yes. um, <laughs> right. there, there's lots there's of that. things mm -hmm. that again i am continuing to learn as i get more experience uh, in the dance mm -hmm. okay yeah okay wonderful i think the listening Yay. audience will really really like that so so what are some future <laughs> projects that you're that you're working on well, right now we've been doing this Thursday night thing where mm -hmm. it's all gender neutral, all alternative music, and everyone is encouraged to lead and follow. Mm -hmm. um, we've also been involved in trying to um, teach tango to some folks who have memory loss mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, we have plans of continuing our collaboration with the Alzheimer's. Nice. Um, center in Berkeley and then personally for me I I want to be able to continue to take classes not just tango classes mm -hmm. not just with Homer but with other people um, I I would like I am working towards to teaching more by myself mm -hmm. Uh, I think for me as a teacher, that's 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 an endeavor that I, I, I want to get into. Uh, I want to be able to take other kinds classes like uh, circus classes or yoga classes. Right. right now, I've been taking boxing classes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so so anything that that mm -hmm. is um, that that demands some physicality because I really feel that whatever physical activity I do always always helps not only my own dance mm -hmm. or my understanding of the dance but my understanding as a tango dance teacher mm -hmm. okay so, what about you homer well well i've always sort of been politically charged with tango and <laughs> what i mean by that is like dealing with the human condition and yeah in the beginning the early arguments were what um, music do we dance to? What mm -hmm. clothes do we wear when we dance? And how <laughs> how do we dance tango? Mm -hmm. And then we had more um, sort of queer tango came out, and we mm -hmm. had more uh, ideas with balancing queer tango in the community. Mm -hmm. And and of course, like alternative music was a big thing. Yeah. Um, but now now we're definitely looking at just taking away the gender idea, and you can choose whatever gender you are mm -hmm. of the many kinds of gender that exist, what role you want to dance at that moment, 
and then you can have an intimate relationship with someone or an, any other kind of relationship, but just take the gender part out of it first, decide your role in tango, mm -hmm. and then allow you to explore that yeah. and with traditional and alternative music kind of balanced together. So we're, we're mm -hmm. looking at trying to create integrated and healthy communities, not just as an experiment, but for the for the idea that we will strengthen the foundation of tango and perhaps draw in many more people that otherwise wouldn't even think of tango mm -hmm. as a beautiful way to connect and to move. Yeah. Um, I have been I have been criticized that at some point what I'm doing is not tango, yeah. but I feel like I've, I've heard that from the beginning mm -hmm. <laughs> of every issue that has come up in the past mm -hmm. 20 plus years yeah. um, that what I'm doing is not tango, yeah. and I don't really have a good answer for that except for mm -hmm. to say that the only thing I know basically is tango mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to apply it to our to the relevant cultural times and ideas yeah. that we are sharing globally mm -hmm. and tr I, I love tango and I want it to survive so I, mm -hmm. I yeah. love every facet of it and I'm yeah. trying to expand the boundaries on many different levels so mm -hmm. we have a stronger foothold and a mm -hmm. larger population base, and hopefully a healthier population base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's my still my political motivation. All right. <laughs> yeah, and that's good because you know if somebody attacks you or criticizes you, that means you're onto something. Because the worst thing that could happen is somebody just sort of shrugging their shoulders and walking away. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no complacency is allowed. Yeah, that's no. right. Yeah, I. Yeah. I have plenty of encounters with people. Mm -hmm. I would say it affects me less and less, but still, I yeah. mean, not a month goes by where I don't read or hear something mm -hmm. that someone said about me or my ideas, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. um, because I'm surrounded by so many other people in my life that all seem to kind of like what we're doing. I mean, mm -hmm. for me, that's the check. Like, if, if I was in a bubble and no one agreed with what I was doing, I'd have mm -hmm. to reevaluate it, right. especially because this is a social experience. But mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that seem to be enjoying the process that we're creating and, and the idea of Tango that we're offering. And so mm -hmm. we'll continue to do that as long as it's being received by the general population yeah. The majority of people, mm -hmm. you know, well received. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I mean, for the last century, other <laughs> other tango dancers mm -hmm. have have been, you know, accused of not doing tango, and yeah, I think it's it's a familiar it's a familiar uh, uh, thing historically. You know, new ideas yeah. are always going to get attacked, and they've been yeah. attacked back back in yeah. the early days of tango. Unique. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a human nature thing that applies to everything we do as human beings. Yeah. And in the meantime, while all of this is is going on, it's 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 basically a very strong indication that mm -hmm. tango is evolving. Yes. And that's okay. Yeah. It's been evolving. <laughs> tango has yeah. always evolved from the mm -hmm. very first moment it was, you know, conceived mm -hmm. or labeled as tango. Mm -hmm and both the music and the dance and mm -hmm. um, we have a, lo a stronger record of the music form evolving and much less record of the dance form evolving yeah. uh, for the first you know 30 years or so of course right. or, or longer but decades but now mm -hmm. we have you know since the modern revival of tango since the 80s we now have lots of footage on mm -hmm. video and blogs on the internet and stuff like that so websites there, there's lots of um, mm -hmm historical data now for the evolution of tango yeah all right Yay. yeah okay well this has Yay. been a lot of fun i'm so glad i was able to to get a hold of both of you and i think the um yeah the audience will definitely uh, really appreciate what you have to say so where can we find out more information about homer and christina online I would say you can either go to our website, theorganictangoschool.org, okay. or there's also a Facebook page for the school, and we're on Facebook. Um, but maybe the best way to learn about us, I'd say, is go to Tango Student, which is a YouTube page. Okay. It's called Tango Student. And we literally have hundreds of videos of reviews from classes that are like quizzes and a little demo. Yep. And by listening to those quiz review things and watching us demo you'll kind of learn our a little bit of our philosophy yeah. mm -hmm. and how we dance which has changed a little bit over the years but um, you'll mm -hmm. get a good idea of, of who we are okay yeah. 
I, I'm definitely a subscriber already, so <laughs> I can I can definitely vouch for that channel. So yeah, I'll have all that information in our show notes so that people will be able to um, people be able to to connect and and learn yeah. more about you. Thank you so much, Joe. That was this is this has been a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you for giving us the opportunity to sure. to speak with your audience. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Thank you. Yeah, my yeah. my pleasure. All right, that was a lot of fun. And despite being world famous and in such high demand. I'm always impressed by how Homer and Christina are so down-to-earth and generous with their time. Again, this was a really fun conversation, and there was a lot to unpack. One thing that definitely stuck out to me was a part about new ideas. Homer and Christina get a lot of support for their dance style, teaching techniques, and their ideas on how to move tango forward. But at the same time, they get a lot of flack as well. And it's important to know that new ideas will always be challenged and resisted. If you're in a position where your ideas are simultaneously criticized and supported, you're probably onto something important and it's worth it to keep going. And of course, this doesn't apply only to tango. Another point that stuck out to me was the importance of being open-minded when it comes to leading and following. We'll have our primary role as either a leader or follower, as Homer said, but taking the time to learn, or at least try the other role, will help us develop empathy for each other and improve our dancing. But the big picture here is about establishing a good connection. So when you're ready, give it a shot. Try the other role. You might surprise yourself. And I really appreciated the tips about teaching, especially the point about paying attention to a student's needs. To new and aspiring teachers out there, Homer and Christina make a great point about guiding your students, paying attention to how they learn and understanding that each dancer will develop individually. So you shouldn't try turning them into clones of yourself. So thank you again, Homer and Christina, for your stories, your many insights, and your time. And to all of you listeners, thank you again for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoyed this program and you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, it would mean the world to me if you could go to any one or all of those platforms, leave a five-star rating, a positive comment, and remember to subscribe. It only takes a minute, but does a lot to help more people find this podcast. And of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly appreciate your support. And if you have suggestions for people that you'd like me to interview, or if you just want to get in touch, feel free to send me an email. You can contact me at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. And you can find out more about me and my own tango classes at wisconsintango.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, dot com. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every Monday and sometimes Fridays, but definitely every Monday. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon.